All right, welcome back to Optimistically Salty. My name is Tracy, and have I got an update for you. Enjoy. All right, welcome back. I am going to be talking today a little bit about um, brains. That was only a light zombie impression. But I have been noticing these little tricks that I can play (laughs) on myself, and that they've been moderately helpful so far. So one of the big things that I've been challenged with consistently over these years of podcasting is an addiction to my phone. Like I find myself constantly scrolling my phone. I would remove Instagram and it was like my brain was just like, okay, so you can check your email every day and just constantly like seeking, seeking, seeking on my phone. I've been able to really calm down the amount of rabbit hole diving and just like obsessive seeking of information and answers um, through some other tools as well. And one of the most effective things that I have found for myself has been to switch my phone to the grayscale. And I just popped on good old YouTube and looked for a video about how to set it up on grayscale. And the first day that I did it, I was on my phone looking at stuff And, you know, everything looks like an Ansel Adams photo. It's all very dramatic and beautiful. (laughs) But I noticed, like, it just didn't hold my interest. Like, it wasn't kicking up a dopamine response or something. And so I, when I put my phone down, the first time I looked up, it was just like the world was in technicolor. Like, my brain couldn't process the amount of color in the world around me. And I was like, well, that's weird. (laughs) how much time do I spend staring at my phone anyways? And since switching my phone to grayscale, it's been about a month now. Over time, my phone became more and more of a tool. And (laughs) when I say that, it became like tedious to do things on my phone. And that was what I wanted for myself. Like I wanted to have a separate relationship from my phone where it's just like, okay, if I need to use it, I'll use it, but I don't want to be constantly on it. And it is really kind of cool to see that change in my relationship with something that I was having a problem with. So my phone is set up now. Um, I ha- a friend of mine is a photographer and she sent me some photos to look at. And so I turned the color back on to look at these pictures because I looked at them in black and white first because I like the, I like it. I like the noir of it all, but I turned on the color to look at the pictures and it was like my brain could not compute color on my phone. It was so overwhelming (laughs) that I like turned it back off and now I have a quick Um, accessibility button to turn the color on and off. So if I need the color on to look for something, if I'm ordering something, I can turn the color on easily and turn it back off. But I thought it was really just interesting watching, not watching, you know, feeling through with my brains, like how different it was, how impatient I was with using my phone with it on grayscale. And I don't know. It was just kind of a cool tip. I, it took a while still. It wasn't like a day 
of like, oh, I switched to grayscale and then I never wanted to be on my phone again. Um, it took some time, but the time that it did take, it was, it's just been so worth it for me. I really wanted to not feel like I was always on my phone and I didn't want to be constantly just seeking random information. And since I do recognize, you know, my patterns of obsessive thinking, I can put them to better use (laughs) and work on things that actually matter in my life instead of who is that actor in this movie? I must IMBD it right now. Um, So I've really enjoyed that transition to having the grayscale screen and, um, but I also just found it interesting. I mean, I probably in the old days would have really gone into researching this, like why colors look so different when you've been looking at grayscale for a while. But it was just really cool when I did turn the color on on my phone. It was like my eyes just didn't know what I was looking at almost. Um, So another fun, uh, our brain does weird stuff example that I'm going to bring in today is that um, I had my date with COVID a couple of weeks ago. I guess it's almost been a month ago now. And during my date with COVID, I lost my taste and smell. And the next morning so I lost it that night I had dinner it tasted kind of off but I couldn't quite place what was going on like I could just really intensely taste a couple of flavors and not everything and then I went to brush my teeth and it was like gone there was just nothing and the next morning I got up to take a shower and I picked up the bar of soap and my brain was like oh I smell soap And I held the bar of soap under my nose and sniffed it and there was nothing there. And I picked up the bottle of shampoo. My brain was like, oh, apples. And I opened up the bottle of shampoo and like squeezed it in front of my face and smelled nothing. And I just really have been thinking a lot about how much our brain fills in for us that we really probably don't want or need it to do. It just does. And maybe that's part of why changing addiction, changing how we do things is so difficult. Like everything is so automatic and our brain is like, don't worry, I got this. I've already filled everything in for you. So over the past month, um, so for the first two weeks, I didn't have taste or smell um, and After a couple of days, my brain stopped substituting in things for me. And I was still really like the novelty of it did not ever wear off. It's still fascinating to me. Like I'll smell things every now and then. But it's just kind of like, wow, there's still no smell. (laughs) That's so weird. Nothing smells. Um, My taste has started to come back. I could taste... um, not flavors, but I could taste, I'm going to say the wrong thing, um, tastes. (laughs) I could taste sweet, salty, um, sour, not sour. I could taste bitter, um, sweet, salty, and bitter. So if I had, um, you know, tea with honey in it, I could taste something sweet. If I had, um, I'm trying to remember what I had that was bitter. I guess I had coffee, No, coffee just tasted like water, but I could taste the sweetness of the creamer. Maybe it was peppers or something that was like bitter and I could feel it down the sides of my tongue. 
one of the benefits of being a barista at Starbucks for a very long time was that we would do coffee tastings. And when we would do coffee tastings, you would learn how to taste the coffee, slurp it up into your mouth, and then you would learn to tell where on your tongue the coffee was activating. And then you would learn about like with the anatomy of the tongue, what that meant about the coffee, if it was like a bright coffee or if it was a citrus coffee and learning that anatomy of the tongue <laughs> for coffee tastings was really helpful through the COVID process. I was able to identify like, oh, this is something salty because I feel it here on my tongue. Even though I couldn't necessarily taste it, I was aware of what the flavors were. Um, as my taste has started to come back, I have noticed that I can taste citrus and I can taste still sweet, but it's kind of weird sweet. Like I ate an apple and I couldn't taste it, but I put strawberry jam on toast and I could taste the strawberry. So it's like I can taste the sugar, but not just like a something found in nature sugar. Um, last night I just wanted to grab a snack and I made a peanut butter banana sandwich. Gross to those who don't enjoy it, I guess. Um which brings me to another topic, but I could not taste like anything on the sandwich. Like I could taste maybe some of the peanut butter, something in the peanut butter, maybe the salt in the peanut butter I could taste. There was something there with that. Um, and the bread had kind of a sweet flavor to it, but that was it. So trying to go from someone who has had all of the eating disorders <laughs> um, and diet addiction and exercise addiction and all these um, things that I've been working on recovery from to not having taste and smell became just a really weird shift in my reality. Um, I started out just with the novelty of it. It was like, this is such a weird experience. And then it would be time to eat. And because I couldn't smell and because I couldn't taste, I wasn't like thinking about food and hunger in the same way. I was having a hard time reading my body's cues. I wasn't recognizing hunger. And so it would just kind of be like, well, I guess it's time to eat. And... I found that temperature and texture mattered so much to me. <laughs> um, things that I normally might really enjoy, especially if I'm sick or under the weather, would be, you know, like the chicken noodle soups of the world. Um, I have a love for mashed potatoes that I do not fully understand. I think it's a texture thing, like mashed potatoes and pasta. Um, just like delicious starchy carbs. And... Um, I made a butternut squash soup as well that I was like, this will be so good. I will make my own little toasty croutons and have my soup. It will be so delicious. And I could not get the soup hot enough because like the mouthfeel and the sensation of the soup, like going down the throat hole was really all that mattered when you can't taste it. It's about how it feels in your mouth. And butternut squash soup like coats 
your mouth and it's not a hot, hot, hot soup. And so it was just like food was just laying in my mouth. (laughs) Um, I was just things that I normally would want were just not good. And then I had the thought like, oh, well, because I can't taste and smell, like this is an opportunity to have like some super healthy foods that I might not normally want. Um, I tend to not be really great about eating produce just because I think the seasonal aspect of produce, like sometimes when things are in season, they're so good. And when they're out of season, not so much. Um, Or if you get something and you eat it on the wrong day, it's like bananas tell you what they're going to taste like. (laughs) Why can't kale or grapes tell you what they're going to taste like? Um, you just look at them and you're like, they look really good. And then you pop one in your mouth and you're like, nope, not a good grape. Grape's not good right now. (laughs) So I thought, haha, body hack. I can't taste or smell. I'm going to eat salads. I'm going to like just give myself lots of vitamins and nutrients and cold lettuce. My gosh is so gross if it's not crispy enough. And I just really was like, what am I supposed to eat here? So I have found that with temperature mattering, I don't really want cold food. I definitely don't want lukewarm food. I want hot food because that sensation of eating it at least brings me some satisfaction. I also noticed that the texture matters so much. Um, If I was going to have soup fine but I also had a piece of toast with it so I could have something kind of crunchy that gave me like that chew and that satisfying crunch to the food it definitely made me want like there was a day where my brain pulled up like the memory of like hey do you remember what Funyuns taste like wouldn't you like some Funyuns and I was like man yeah I would but then I also learned really quickly that if I had a craving for something I was never going to be able to have that craving met because even if I ate the food I was craving, if I was thinking about tacos all day long and I finally ate tacos, I couldn't taste the tacos. And I think when I used to be really rigid and regimented and I never gave in, like it was like, I will not eat any of my cheap foods. (laughs) There will be no Oreos in my house. It almost feel was feeling like that, like I was depriving myself because I couldn't taste those foods. So I've really had to work through over the past month just like my relationship with food and also slowing down my eating because I can actually feel when I'm full now because I'm not distracted by the flavors of food where I'm thinking, oh, I can't wait to have this bite or something like that. So I've noticed that my intake has gone down just because I can more easily hear my body like, we're full. (laughs) And so I just have to stop. Every now and then I have had something that I was like, man, this is not going to keep for another day. Or I do still struggle a little bit with like food waste where I'm like, I don't want to be throwing stuff away. And I've really had to just kind of like, soften into myself on those moments like yeah sure you can eat it it's not a big deal go ahead and then I eat it and I'm like man I'm full 
I'm really feeling full. Um, so my relationship to myself, relationship to food and living life in recovery has been made better (laughs) by the loss of taste and smell. I'm not saying that I recommend COVID, but since everybody has a date with it. Anyways, you may get your chance to experience that if that's one of the symptoms when you have your turn. But I guess the last thing I want to talk about on today's update, of course the fan kicks on, is just about kind of the line that COVID drew in my life. I think before COVID, after the past year and a half of um, fear and apprehension that was being pumped through, I just, I spent the last huge chunk of time really caught up in my anxiety and my depression and working through that while facing what was coming at some point, the unknown that was coming at some point um, has really given me that chance to kind of move past that now. And I was so caught up before in wanting to get back, wanting to get back to a different body, wanting to get back to a different mindset, wanting to get back to some other place in my life where I was doing everything right. That's such a like, (laughs) not true thing, but it was just my perception of what it was and the past year of working through binge eating and um, obsessive exercise and um, everything else it really kind of got to this place of like I just want to move forward now getting the the feeling that I want to start to set better boundaries in my relationships and I want to show up more vulnerably and really participate and be present in my life and Focus more on that forward movement. How do I change things to move forward? And I feel like November is a really good like woo-woo month for that. There's such an opportunity to find solutions to move forward in areas. And I think, you know, one of the things that I really was feeling like I was failing at was as a mom. I mean, it's really hard. You feel like you get your feet under you. And then your kids are a year older and you're starting all over again, trying to figure out how to be the best mom for this age, for this kid, because your kids change so often and grow. And as a mom, I try not to control my kids, but to support my kids. And for me, the language around it matters because that shows the intent behind it. I want my kids to be who they are. I want them to try as many things as they can and to get to figure themselves out. If I set up myself to control them all the way through that process, when they get to the end, they're not going to know how they got there. At least that's my theory. Good luck to all parents. I have no real parenting advice because I'm figuring it out every day. But something I've really had a hard time with is that like transition from school to home. And this month it has just been like, oh, I know exactly what I need to do. And I know how to transition myself from that time before they come home to when they are home. And I know how to transition them from get off the bus and come home. And I know how to transition away from that at the end of it. And it's like the answers have always been there. I just didn't 
see them, couldn't access them because I was so busy looking back and trying to recreate something from a different age, from a different time. So happy November, everyone. I hope that you also can move forward with some awesome insight this month and growth. Um, As always, stay optimistically salty. Namaste.